We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. City Thunder and NBA podcast featuring Jacob. All you haters come at me. Taylor. You're a step past a hater like I'm Rondo. I break your baby mama to a condo. Nick. I really wouldn't mind taking a flyer on Swaggy Pete. Kamiar. I just got done taking a nap. And Justin. I'm too fast. What is up, everybody? The regular season is over. Playoffs are here. The real season Playoffs begins. are here. Thank you guys for tuning into the show. You can listen to us anywhere. You subscribe to podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at the underscore uncontested. Playoff matchups are set up, and the Thunder are traveling to Portland. We're recording this Friday night, so I assume they're probably on a plane tomorrow. Up to Portland for a round one series against the Blazers. Here to break all of that series down with us today on our playoff preview pod is Brandon and Keith of the Trailcasters podcast. Uh, guys, thank you so much for joining us. Yes, how's it going? Thank you. Yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, we uh, we really appreciate you guys coming on. So before we even jump into this thing, make sure that you guys go follow Brandon and Keith. Their podcast is on Twitter at Trailcasters. Uh, Brandon is on Twitter at Goldner. That's G-O-L-D-N-E-R-P-D-X. And Keith is at Rip City Keith. Uh, they would be awesome follows for th- any Thunder fans who want to get an alternate perspective on the series. Uh, those guys do an awesome job. So make sure you go hit that follow button because they're awesome for coming on our podcast, and we really appreciate them. It's also an awesome follow us. if you uh, want to make fun of Keith. You can definitely do that. Again, that's <laughs> at Rep City Keith. Actually, there's a funny story behind that really quick. So, Keith, you used to have a different Twitter handle. It wasn't quite as easy to roll off the tongue. What was the deal with that? Oh, come on. Blazer 24-7. Nothing's wrong with that. You know, You're 24/7. mixing the alpha and the numeric. Anyway, all right. I decided to get that in. Very nice. Well, hey, before we even get this thing started, um, I got to say, so I watch a, little, a lot of NBA. I've watched multiple Portland games this season, and I don't think I've ever been more invested into a Portland Trailblazers game besides Wednesday night watching uh, Anthony Simons and yes. Scal Abissier uh, explode wow. in that second half. Um, it was pretty enjoyable. It was pretty enjoyable. Did you, uh, I mean, you guys don't get to watch those two play very often, right? No, no. Uh, Scal and uh, I also yeah, Scal has probably gotten almost no minutes this season, and Anthony has purely been garbage minutes at the end of the game so far. To see him play a full 48 was something else, man. That was nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And was, I had a hot take. I don't know if anyone remembers a couple of years ago when CJ McCollum was buried on the bench behind Wes Matthews and he got to play in that Memphis series against a while ago. And he showed everybody he could be a starter and a star. And like, so my hot take is like, is Anthony Simons a new CJ McCollum? Oh, I, I think love so. It. 
I love it. How yeah. old is Anthony <laughs> Simons? Isn't he like 19 or 20? 19. Yeah, 19. he's 19. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah, because he came straight out of high school, yeah? Yep. Uh, the, he went to the uh, IG... I, I'm sorry, IMG Academy. There yeah. we go. Okay. It's like the, the basketball yeah, school. Yeah. Essentially. So no college, but yeah, he's, he's just been doing basketball full-time for one year. Nice, nice. That's awesome. What were you guys thinking going into that game, like as Blazers fans? Because we're looking at it like... What what are the Trailblazers doing? We're we're sitting Dame and McCollum, but well, maybe we're not sitting Dame, and then we're only going to play six six guys, and it, it looks like we're going to get destroyed by twenty plus points, and then all of a sudden they win the game, and we just couldn't figure out like what what the game <laughs> plan was there. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, let me uh, jump in here, B. Uh, yeah, as far as like we start off a game midday, early on in the day, they said Dame and CJ were going to sit. And so right off the bat, like we're talking not like right before the game, an hour or two, but like at noon that day. It seemed just kind of uncharacteristic. So it's like, okay, they're not worried about this game. They secured home court at this point. They're not too concerned. Let's see what happens after that. But then when I got to the game that night, we started uh, Anthony Simons, Gary Trent Jr., Jake Lehman, Scott Bissier, and Myers Leonard. Only two of those five players have even seen rotation minutes this year at any point. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it definitely threw you off. And, you know, we got to the point, I think, 28 down was the low point of it. Uh, and then when it started to kind of come back, I'm like, wait, are we really like thinking about this? This is this possibility. And it got all the way, what, like halfway through the fourth quarter before we really uh, made it competitive. But man, not at all what you expect. Uh, Brandon, what do you, what'd you have? Do you have anything different from that? Uh, where are you watching the game? Well, really quick, I didn't want the Blazers to win. I did not want yeah. the Blazers to face <laughs> the Thunder. That's, that's I right. wanted them to play the Jazz. So I just want to be on the record and be honest about that. And then the other thing that was weird is like, all of this like galaxy brain tanking from Denver to like lose games and like avoid the Warriors side of the bracket. I mean, the whole Western Conference, <laughs> like the, the last couple of days, people resting, it was just all really bizarre. I don't know yeah. if you guys thought about that. Yeah, totally agree. You know, Denver, uh, obviously Portland and Denver had the back to back. Portland plays Denver in a really tight game in Denver. And then Denver decides they're not going to play anybody up in Portland. And then Denver damn near loses Wednesday night because of yep. oh why am I going blank Andrew Wiggins and and Dario Saric just explode Saric, yeah. and Denver's just looking like shit throughout that entire game and then eleven minutes to go or sorry not eleven minutes down eleven with three minutes to go they just they come back so it's a wild night yeah so for the Thunder you know we we obviously wanted OKC to get highest seating possible uh, after they completely shit the bed after the All Star break. <laughs> and somebody, uh, I, I think, uh, Justin, you might know this. Somebody, I think it was on Thunder Twitter, uh, like a Thunder Twitter person, uh, did the math for the Thunder to come back against Houston Tuesday night at the start of the fourth quarter, plus Portland to come back from down, what would you say, 28 in like yep. the second yeah. half, and then for Denver to come back down 11 with wow. like three minutes to go, <laughs> there was like a 0.003% yep. chance of all of that happening. And, wow. and it all fell into place. So Shout out to at Panicked Waddle for that ridiculous stat work. I don't, Shout dude, out. you got to have a PhD in mathematics to, to right. figure that shit out. That's way <laughs> that's over that's my head. That's above my pay grade. <laughs> yep, way above my head. All right, well, we've got a few sections we want to run through on this pod. First one, we did this last year whenever we talked about the Utah series. Unfortunately, we only got to talk about one playoff series last year. But we're bringing it back. In order to, uh, to hype each other up before we jump into this, we got a section called Gassed Up, where we're just going to gas each other up, talk good about each other's teams, get on good terms before... Uh, before the nitty-gritty gets started. so uh, I don't know if that's possible, but I will try. Sounds perfect. <laughs> we got this. We got this. Okay, so who's starting here? You or us? Um, I'll go ahead and go first. Uh, I'll go first, and then Justin, if you want to throw something, and we'll say some good things about Portland, and then we'll, we'll throw it over to you guys. So my first one is I love Portland's backcourt. I love CJ. I love Dame. I love the fact that they both come from mid-majors, uh, kind of – lesser known dudes that were were maybe a little counted out coming into the league and are now to me the second best backcourt in the league um unfortunately you know i think we everything's kind of jaded because of golden state but i I would definitely put the portland backcourt as the second best in the league i love watching those two dudes play they are dynamic they are electric and when they get hot it is it is a show to watch totally agree that was the first thing i put down as well uh, the next thing I put down 
is Zach Collins. I'm a big fan of this guy. Uh, Anytime you get a seven-footer that has the skill set that he has, it's just a game-changer for your team. And then on top of that, he's a he's a dashing-looking guy. He's a, a nice-looking dude. He's just nice to look at. Portland's got a lot uh, of nice-looking dudes. They've like, got a lot of Jake Lehman's a good-looking dude. <laughs> like, Zach Collins is a good-looking dude. Dame's yeah. a good-looking dude. <laughs> they got some lookers. I know. Terry Stott's got the fashion sense. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. man, do you see Terry Stotts with the uh, the Jack Ramsey jacket the other night? Oh, so yep. good. Yep. <laughs> the, All right. the last thing I put down before we move on is I'm a huge coffee snob, and the coffee scene in Portland, everybody knows. It's legit. So you got that going for you. <laughs> have you guys, I, I'm, sure, I'm sure it's just kind of local broadcast, but have you guys seen the Yusuf Nurkic coffee commercial? The Stumptown coffee commercial. But now I want to. I bet oh, it's on man. YouTube. Go, go and find it on uh, <laughs> I find it on YouTube or something, but they've got Yusuf Nurkic rolling around in think of like a seventies hippie van with a yes. wig and he's got some dudes like rocking out in the back of his jam van and they're rolling over to Stumptown Coffee. I, I'm not not gonna go awesome. further than that, but just enjoy it for yourself. <laughs> yes, that's we'll awesome. Send, we'll watch that one and we'll send you the uh, Stephen Adams Oklahoma Beef Council commercial. Yes. Oh man, oh that was so good. <laughs> Okay, okay. Let me start off here as far as uh, praising the Thunder. One thing, obviously, you know, let's. I'm going to take the low-hanging fruit here. Uh, they swept us this season. It's hard not to to respect an opponent who who took you four uh, zero this year. Overall, in the matchup between the two teams, I love that uh, be- before this season we were tied at 116 wins apiece, and now the Thunder lead for or 120 to 116. So oh, they lead I didn't know that. Four. That's yeah, yeah. I thought that was kind of a nice overall, but let's see. I just lost my other stats. There we go. Uh, overall, Blazers, we've shot 46 and, uh, 46.5% from the field in general. OKC has held us to 42.3% in all of our matchups of the year. And worse than that for us, you talked about our backcourt earlier with Damon CJ. The three-point line is a pretty big part of our offense, right? We shoot 35.8% uh, from the three-point line this year as a team. And only 20.6 against the Thunder. So that's definitely a concern from a, a Portland fan perspective. And obviously a sign of uh, respect for you guys down there. Your defense is holding not only our shooting, but our assists as well. I think we're like three less assists per game. God, leave some for me, Keith. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. These are my stats. Now you have to just tell them how, uh, how awesome uh, Paul George has been playing. I could talk about that. The two things I was going to talk about was one, the defense. And it's a bummer that Andre Robertson is not there. I mean, OKC would have just a terrifying defense if he was still around. I get that he has limitations on offense, but um, yeah, defensively, it's just it's I I love a good defense, especially in the NBA where everything is so offense oriented and flow oriented. Like I appreciate defense. Um, and then Steven Adams, like obviously a team who has a team that used to have Robin Lopez. We can appreciate a good screen setter, somebody who doesn't just get rebounds to get rebounds, but actually makes space for other people uh, to get team rebounds. I mean, that is like, I don't know, like the, the pockets of space that Steven Adams can create. It's super underrated. I wish there was a stat. I mean, I know they have like screen assists, yeah, but like if there was a stat for like, Oh, like he created like, X number of feet of space on the court for other people during a game. Like, you know, tracking everything else, they're tracking how far people run during a game. Why not that? So, um, defense and Steven Adams, two really let good me, things about OKC. Let me jump in here real quick, too, on that. Uh, we talked much earlier in the year when we were kind of like really hyped up on Nurkic when he was at kind of the peak of his performance this season and uh, talking about the best centers in the NBA in the Western Conference. And the one that we compared him, or at least said we most wanted Nurkic to emulate in his game was Steven Adams. We talked about him being the one that we kind of wanted him to go more that direction and have that that physical uh, embodiment underneath. Let me ask you guys, for Steven Adams, which uh, kind of Hollywood comparison do you prefer, Khal Drogo or Aquaman? Oh, Khal Drogo. There we go. He is. (laughs) We we call him Khal Adams. There we go. (laughs) Yeah, 100%. Uh, I have two two more to to hype Portland with. Number one, keeping on the theme of centers here, uh, I will forever love Ennis Cantor. I am so happy he found a home in Portland, and I hope that you guys uh, come to not appreciate him for for his basketball, um, but for the the guy he is. Um, you know, absolutely incredible. He he doesn't have any contact with his family. You know, he. Uh, I think maybe it was with Portland. He couldn't even go play in the Toronto game. You know, because he can't go abroad. Yeah, that's right. Um, just his his outreach to. 
to other people, not even in Turkey, who who are going through like shitty situations with with human rights and and whatnot. And his Cantor's a really really solid dude. And I was heartbroken when the Thunder trade traded him for the corpse of Carmelo Anthony. That was really heartbroken. Oh jeez. <laughs> um, and then the other one is completely off topic, but I absolutely love the red Portland jerseys and the Rip Cities. Mm-hmm. I think the red nice. ones are the nice. red ones. The uh, are those the city jerseys? The like the really the bright red. You know what I'm talking I about? I think those are the yeah. state. I think those are the statement jerseys. The right? statements, and then the Rip mm. City ones are the city jerseys. Is that right? Okay. I love the, I love those two jerseys. I don't know what the fuck they're calling these things anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'm with you 100. Uh, percent I think the Thunder yeah. the Thunder have like what five jerseys this year. Yeah. Justin, is that right? Yeah. Some teams have six. It's getting crazy. Really? Yeah. Damn. It's a lot. But hey, the jerseys are way better now that Nike's got them. So I at least got to give let, that to him. Let me add to that before I move on. I'm sorry, I don't mean to keep delaying us on things, but uh, I, I love the the red Rip City jersey. I was wearing that just the other night for that Sacramento game, actually. But uh, Cantor, when he came to Portland, honestly, actually, what was it, 2015 or 16 that he signed with you guys down in OKC, mm-hmm. and that was after the uh, contract we had offered him. Oh yeah, these- yeah. I, we, we were up here talking about this, and I was really not wanting Kenner at that point as far as his game on the floor and just kind of certain weaknesses, the defensive side. I was biased in a really bad way against it. Since he's come to Portland, getting to know kind of his, his, his story off the court and the person he is and seeing what he, uh, how he represents himself, uh, represents himself, excuse me, I have so much respect for that dude. Uh, on and off, and even having the the, the gap that he has filled after we've had Nurkic go down with the injury, he is an amazing player, and I, I love the the you know I love seeing what he's got to, to put out there. Yep, awesome dude, awesome dude. I love that guy to death. Um, losing the bromance of of Ennis Cantor and Stephen Adams was the Stash Brothers. The Stash <laughs> Brothers was Stash was, Bros. Yeah, was very difficult. All right, so we kind of touched on it, but let's jump into the regular season breakdown of these two teams. Uh, Keith, as you mentioned, the Thunder won the regular series four and zero. It was the first time in what feels like six decades that uh, a, a Thunder slash Sonics team has won up in Portland. Uh, they always lose in Portland. Uh, Actually pulled off two wins up there this year. So I have some Thunder-centric stats. I figured you guys would, would throw some Portland perspective out there. But for the four games this season, the Thunder averaged 121 points a game. Uh, the team shot 46% from the field, 39% from three, and 80% from the free throw line. I think that 80% is probably the most surprising stat. Justin, would you agree? That's huge for this team. Because I, it feels like they shoot so like 8.0%, not 80% <laughs> from the free throw line. That's huge. Yeah. And they're, it's on pretty high attempts, too. I know there was one game in particular where didn't PG go like 17 of 20 from the line? Yeah, I like think that, that was the last that one, the overtime act. game up there in Portland. That was when the Thunder yeah. started their, their fouling spree, and that, that game had featured so many free throws. Um. So, so the Thunder offensively played played really well against Portland this year. Um, guys, do you have any any stats or anything you want to throw out for the for the Portland perspective there? Uh, go for it, Brandon. I've been kind of leading this, so let's give you a turn. Well, no, I just it's interesting because when you look at the series between the Thunder and the Blazers uh, in the Lillard Westbrook era, it's super close, right? And you have all of these streaks from both teams. You only have a couple games where one team didn't win at least two in a row. The Blazers won the last six before this current Thunder four-game winning streak. And the last time that either of these teams have won by double digits was back in 2016. So, I mean, these are not blowouts, right? Like, these are mostly close games. Um, And that's what's so interesting about this playoff series. And I really wish it's uh, injuries suck. I wish that Nurkic were there. I... I honestly wish too that Paul George were a hundred percent. Like I want to see these teams at a hundred percent going at it. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah. S- yeah. I want to see Robertson and that, cause I mean, Lillard and Westbrook, I don't know if we're going to talk about it, but just the rivalry between those two. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's disappointing to get swept, uh, hard earned and much deserved, but yeah, I mean, it's not like these are blowouts either. I mean, they're both pretty, pretty good teams. Close yeah. games. Yeah. They, they, they were closely matched in all four games this season. And I think if you would talk to Thunder fans, they would all say, that the biggest thorn in the Thunder side is what was Nurkic. Nurkic would just mm-hmm. eat Steven Adams up down low, especially with the the aggressive defense the Thunder plays, where they blitz the ball handler on the pick and roll. Uh, 
that that defense is designed for guys like Dame, for guys like CJ, for guys like Steph Curry who want to take pull up threes uh, off the off the pick and roll, off the dribble, and Nurkic would just slip down low, and the Thunder's rotations would be bad, and and Nurk would just kill the Thunder, especially in first halves. It felt like the Thunder would always adjust in the second half a little bit, but Nurk would just eat the Thunder alive in first half this year. And that's what's concerning. It's like Cantor can't play defense the way Nurkic can. Zach Collins is a good defender, but he's going to bounce off Steven Adams like a fly. Myers Leonard, <laughs> he's bigger. I mean, Myers Leonard is definitely bigger, but like has never really learned how to use his body properly. So, I mean, yeah, the center matchup is going to be a problem for the Blazers no matter what. Justin, you yeah, have any thoughts? Yeah, I thought it was interesting. I kind of dug into the stats, uh, and they were really closely matched. And I think we, we've all hit on this. You know, these weren't blowouts. It was a sweep, but every game was competitive. But when I looked at just kind of comparing overall stats, three of the four games, OKC had the higher field goal percentage. Three of the four games, Oklahoma City out-rebounded Portland. Now, granted, those were all really close for the most part. Uh, it was like a couple rebounds. Um, and then three out of four, Oklahoma City forced more turnovers. And when you look at those three stats, those have kind of defined the Thunder season. Uh, they've had nights where they get a bunch of good looks and they just can't make them. And it's hard to win games if you can't hit shots. Uh, the rebound battle, Steven Adams, he has certain guys that he can't seem to get an edge on. Nurkic felt like one of those. Uh, Jokic being another obvious one. There's just these guys that kind of always seem to have his number. So the fact that he was able to kind of command that rebound battle was huge. And then the turnovers, this team is, they struggle in a half-court offense a lot of times. And so when they get out in transition and can run and get easy baskets, it helps overcome their lack of uh, knockdown shooters and helps get them easy baskets, which obviously is a big factor in getting a win. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, just just throwing in there as well. I do feel like uh, Nurkic, as much as he was a factor for the Blazers earlier, uh, obviously he's not going to be at this point. I'm I'm curious what Cantor is going to be able to bring to the table here because he is someone that knows OKC obviously to a different level than, uh, and he's not bringing the same skill set like like uh, Brennan you mentioned as far as what Nurkic had on the table, but he's performed well and possibly does he open things up maybe for some of our other role players like, or, you know, role players, CJ McCollum or Al Farouk and, you know, it's silly to call him a role player at this point. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm curious to see what kind of effect uh, Cantor can have just kind of knowing uh, the other team ins and outs that way. Yeah, definitely. I think Cantor and Adams is a fun matchup. Uh, obviously they know each other very well. Um, I, I, I wouldn't expect you guys to know this, but earlier in the season when Cantor was still with New York, the first time, or the only time the Knicks came to Oklahoma City this year, Cantor subbed in, and it was it was Cantor versus Adams. And I think like three possessions in a row, Stephen Adams got dunks on him in pick and roll situations. And then whenever the the first quarter ended, uh, there there's a lot of video of Stephen telling uh, Fisdale, right? Fisdale's the coach of the Knicks, telling Fisdale, um, "We're gonna put Cantor in the pick and roll every time." He can't guard me. He can't guard That's me. Right. So, it was, you know, they, they have a really fun rivalry. But Ennis is is a monster on the offensive glass, you know, and, and I think that's probably his probably his best strength as a basketball player is just his tenacity on the offensive glass and putbacks. And so I, I think that's going to be a factor. Uh, Steven Adams is going to have to block him out because Ennis only played against the Thunder with the Trailblazers in the last game of the season. And as a reserve, and didn't get a whole lot of minutes, so it, it's going to bring a new dynamic. I think both teams have have changed a little bit since the last game that they played against each other. Uh, Markeith Morris has not played in a Thunder uniform against Portland all season, and I would not be surprised nope. to see Markeith get almost all of the backup five minutes for the Thunder in this series. You know, so I think both teams have new wrinkles that that they haven't seen from each other yet, which makes it a little fascinating. Well, and I'm what I'm okay as a Blazers fan. We're still traumatized by last year. You know, the Blazers <laughs> got swept by the Pelicans, and the way it happened was terrifying, right? I mean, they were trapping Dame. The Blazers looked confused. They didn't have anyone to give it to. They didn't know what to do. And here comes OKC with this really good defense. So, I mean, what I'm looking for something else is now, like you said, new wrinkles. The Blazers have Seth Curry. They didn't have Seth Curry last year. He's like a 40-plus percent three-point shooter. Rodney Hood can get hot and streaky at times. 
Um, Jake Lehman's been playing better. Mo Harkless is Jake coming Lehman, on. You're another the, pretty guy. He's a good looking Another dude. very beautiful <laughs> man. It's um, all his hair. You see all the, the kind of the, the it, I think there's like the Portland swoosh right now. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's I'm trying to model my hair after his actually. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how the Blazers handle that pressure. Um, and again, like that's, that's part of the reason why as a Blazers fan, I didn't want to see the thunder in the playoffs. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. Like you said, teams look a little bit different the last time they played, but yeah, it's going to be interesting. Definitely. So let's move on to keys to the series. So I think Justin and I probably have a few keys that we think that the thunder have to have to execute in order to get a win in this series. I'm sure you guys have, have some perspective for Portland. Um, I'll go ahead and throw out my first one, and then, Justin, you can you can piggyback off it. Uh, my first key, and I think it's it's by far the biggest key for the Thunder, is Paul George's health. Uh, obviously, he's dealing with soreness in both shoulders. Uh, it keeps going back left, right, left, right over about the past month, last month of the season. Um, he came out and said today that, his shoulder, his right shoulder, shooting arm shoulder hurt too much to play in the Milwaukee game on Wednesday night. Um, it wasn't that he just wanted to rest. It was that like physically he didn't feel like he could play. Uh, but he said he will play Sunday and get to as close to 100% as possible. Um, obviously, we, we already talked about Paul George. His, his numbers against Portland this year um, were insane. He shot like 40-something percent from three, uh, averaged like 40 points a game. Uh, 10 rebounds, 5 assists. He was just a monster this year. And if if he is not good to go, that's a huge blow to the Thunder. So I think PG's health is a big key, number one. The thing that scares me the most about that was his quote today. They asked him about practice today and like what he was able to do. And he said, I participated mentally. And it's like, <laughs> that, yeah. oh, that's shit. not what you want to hear. Like, <laughs> I, well, I can participate mentally in your practice. That doesn't make <laughs> make any difference. Um but definitely, I think PG is a huge key. I think overall, uh, the number one key that I put down is can OKC make shots? They're such a streaky shooting team. They have a night uh, like they did against the Bucks, where they hit, uh, what was it, 23 three-pointers and shot almost 50% from behind the arc. And then they have nights where they shoot, you know, in like 19%. Yeah, they and have nights where they shoot like 36% from the entire field. Yeah, and you don't know who you're going to get. And PG is a huge part of that. Like, like you said, he's shooting 45% from behind the arc this season against Portland. If he's not himself, uh, that number is going to take a big hit for the team as a whole. Yep. I mean, for my key, I just want to reiterate the Paul George stuff. And if you uh, go back, like you said, he's been dealing with this since like what, late February? Mm -hmm. um, go back to late March. Uh, Royce Young, a Thunder reporter for ESPN, uh, quoted Paul George as saying, uh, I'm good throughout the game. All it takes is one hit and then it gets sore. But if I don't get hit in that spot, then we're good. That can't be particularly encouraging. If you're a thunder fan that, yeah. you know, he's basically saying, look, if I get hit in my shoulder, it's going to start hurting. And like, that's the grind of an 82 game NBA season. Like, by the way, I mean, not to sidetrack it, but like, can we have fewer games, please? Like, this is ridiculous. So for me, my big key <laughs> is, I mean, if Paul George is healthy, this is, I mean, I know we're not going to predictions quite yet, but like this doesn't look good for Portland. I think that their only pathway to a series win is if Paul George is not 100 percent. But Keith, I mean, do you have any keys for Portland in the series? I mean, obviously, I think we all agree at this point. Paul George's health is a big factor here and how much he's going to play. Uh, other than that, the offensive rebounding when Thunder play Portland, their offensive rebound is a little down. We rely on offensive rebounding as a critical part of our, our system. And so I feel like controlling the boards is going to be a huge part. And then kind of like we've also already mentioned, Cantor's play, what he can contribute, what kind of knowledge he can, uh, you know, like even just the millisecond reactions that he might be able to gain advantage from just knowing something of, of the OKC, OKC system. Uh, and CJ would be the final one. CJ is coming back. He looked really good in the game we saw him in. But how much he can perform in, you know, the, the, the high lights and the you know, high intensity of the playoffs is yet to be seen. Awesome. Justin, you have another one? I do. Uh, the next one I put down is defense. And the two kind of main points of that for the Thunder, one is the perimeter. Uh, Portland is a fantastic three-point shooting team. And we know that the Thunder, they're very much like their offense behind the arc. Their defense is very inconsistent behind the arc. Uh, it, we went through a stretch really towards the end, uh, minus the five-game win streak to close out the season. But before that, it was like every team we faced shot like 
three, four, five percent above their season average behind the arc. And that can't happen against a team like Portland because they'll get smoked because Portland's already a great three point shooting team. So if they can't defend the arc, they're in they're in for a lot of trouble. Uh, the other faction of that is pick and roll. Um NBA stats has Dame as the best pick and roll scorer per possession in the NBA. And on the flip side of that, the Thunder are listed as the second best pick and roll defense in the NBA. So watching that kind of nice. dance between the defense and Dame and CJ and how that all plays out. And we know we know what Ennis can do off the pick and roll. We saw it in OKC for years. Uh, he's great at kind of diving to the basket. Um it's it's going to be interesting to see if the Thunder continue to be aggressive on screens and see how they can try to shut down Damon CJ out there. See that was that was another one of my big ones was not not defense in general but containing Damon CJ. Uh, I think one of the Thunder's plans defensive plans this series is going to be to blitz that pick and roll hard, try to get Dame or CJ to give up the ball, and especially in that starting unit, make guys like Alfarukaminu make guys like Mo Harkless uh, try to beat them, you know, and, and, and try to recover back to the corners quick, but take away uh, that point of attack as much as possible. So I think for the Thunder, the, the pick and roll defense and the containing CJ and Dame is, is a massive key. One more for me. Uh, ben Falk of Cleaning the Glass tweeted earlier today that uh, Portland was 25-3 and three when they limited their opponents to just 12% fast break frequencies, uh, but we're 13 and 17 when allowing 16% or more. The Thunder, they average 19% of their possessions in transition. Ooh. So uh, basically the Blazers' weakness is playing into a Thunder strength. And again, uh, without having a backstop like Nurk there, like they're going to be relying really heavily on Mo Harkless, which, who again looks a little bit better than he did earlier in the season, on Alfred Aminu, and those transition defenders to slow down that thunder fast break. Cause again, like when, when Westbrook gets super keyed up and he's going downhill, he is not stoppable. Um, so that's definitely gonna be a problem for Portland. The, the last key that I had for the thunder was Adams, Steven Adams, offensive involvement. The thunder have a tendency to go to Steven Adams early, whether it be pick and roll or he's, he's posted up probably more this season than he has in his entire career, like combined. And so mm. the, the, uh, the the Thunder tend to go to him early. There was a game, I, Justin, I don't know if you remember which one it was, but there was a game where he was just abusing a team in the post uh, like six or seven games ago. And I thought, hey, maybe this is going to be the game Steven Adams finally yes. scores 30. I do remember this. And, and he, he had like 14 points at the end of the first quarter. And I think he ended with 18 for the game. You know, yeah. so so they they obviously wow. the defense adjusted a bit, but the Thunder just didn't look for Adams down the stretch, and and if Stephen is guarded by Ennis for long periods of time, I think the Thunder cannot forget to get the ball down to him. Any, anybody have anything else? We ready to no, move just on? an awkward silence. Just yeah. wanted just to hear. <laughs> I love the awkward silence. You know how it is. <laughs> well, hey, 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 here, here. I got one more. Everyone else added one more. Let me throw in the three-point shooting. We kind of touched on this a little bit. Uh, I did notice that when I was digging through things, uh, Portland allows OKC to shoot. I think about two point something less three-pointers per game, but the percentage that we're allowing you guys is about four percent better. Hmm. So you know, again, kind of a toss-up as far as seeing exactly which way that that which way that coin flip goes uh, could be real key to the, the series overall. Definitely. Uh, let's go on to matchups. So I have listed down here like the, the five starters and then bench versus bench. Um, I just kind of want to go around the table. We'll go uh, position by position and just decide who we think has the, the upper hand in each positional matchup. Um, Justin, we'll start with you on the first one. Point guards, we have Dame versus Russell Westbrook. Who are you giving the advantage to? Uh, it's tough. I think it depends on which Russell shows up. And I think that we we hinted that at this earlier, that Russ and Dame, there's a little bit of a rivalry there. I think there's a lot of mutual respect between them. But, you know, there's, there's antics in game, whether it's Russ kicking the ball away from Dame when he's trying to pick it up or, or whatever it is. I think that Russell, when he... When he goes up against guys like this, finds himself in these types of matchups, he goes one of two ways. He's either locked in and just like scorched earth Russ, or he is out of control, forcing it, trying to do too much Russ. Uh, 
And we've seen a lot of both of those this season. I think down the stretch, this five-game winning streak, Russ has been really controlled, really restrained. He's been facilitating, and he's been sort of the best version of himself that we've seen this season. My fear is that the the rivalry with Dame, the desire to start going shot for shot. If Dame starts heating up, Russ is going to want to start making shots. And just because Russ wants to start making shots doesn't mean he is going to start making shots. Yeah, so I think that, there's the potential there. For the potential to go off script with Russ. Um, overall, I think based off what we've seen this season uh, and just how Russ has been playing kind of down this last stretch, obviously with my Homer hat on, I'm, I'm going to give a slight edge to Russ, but I really think this is probably the most even matchup on the floor. Very good. Keith, what do you got? Uh, as far as the matchup, I, I would agree. I, I think the Russ and Dame matchup is definitely one to watch. It's going to be an even matchup all the way through. The way that I kind of want to see the ball go a little more, I wouldn't mind seeing it go over to uh, Terrence Ferguson. Uh, having CJ come back, I feel like what we've seen from him, uh, I know Terrence is not, uh, not knocking him at all, but I just feel like that could be an advantageous position for Portland. Uh, and I don't really see any other strength uh, in the lineup other than than, than Dame that I want to like kind of rely on, and obviously Dame has Russ on the other end. So, for sure, I don't know, uh, Brandon. Do you see any other kind of holes that you think the Blazers fans want Blazers to attack? Uh, plenty of them, but just to Keith, to stick to the question, <laughs> listen, we got to be good guests here, okay? Uh, Westbrook, Dame, it is very close. Uh, in addition to Westbrook containing himself and playing kind of within the game being very important. It's also important, as I said earlier, if Damian Lillard is getting trapped, if Damian Lillard is getting pressured. How is he going to respond to that? Last year, it didn't look good. And I don't think that's completely Damian Lillard's fault, right? That's a scheme thing. It's a Stotts thing. It's a personnel thing. Um, it's a super close matchup. With my homer hat, I'm going to say that Lillard might be just a little bit better in this matchup. I mean, he is more consistent, um, but Westbrook can be more explosive. And again, it's just about A, how Westbrook can focus that, and B, how Lillard handles that pressure. That's what's going to determine it. But it's so close. Yeah. See, I bitched out and went push on this one. Totally. Oh, you motherfucker. You can't totally do that. Totally bitched out and Pick went push. Um, but yeah, I, I, it's it's a very fun dynamic because Russ is definitely the more explosive downhill physical guy where Dame is much more finesse, has much more of a touch on his shot, better three-point shooter. Uh, can They can both finish in traffic at the rim, but they do it very differently. Dame does it very smoothly, and Russ is very aggressive with it. Um, Justin, I'm totally with you. If we get uh, I want to rock the baby 15 times, Russ, um, it could be bad <laughs> news for the Thunder because he'll, he'll, he'll try to do too much. Uh, Keith, you touched on it, so I'm going to go to you first on this one. The, the shooting guard matchup, CJ versus Terrence Ferguson. Uh, who do you give the edge to and why? Yeah, see, now I understand the format a little bit. <laughs> You're good, bro. You're good. First round. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry about the guys. Uh, but yeah, uh, you know, I, I do think CJ has a bit of the edge here. Uh, but the problem, kind of like what we've said with Paul George in the small forward slot, again, jumping ahead, believe it to me, I feel like CJ, his health is going to be the factor. Are we going to see what we saw from him in the, in the first half of this uh, one game back that he had earlier this week? Or do we see what we saw from him in the second half where we kind of fell off and disappeared a little bit? If he's a non-factor in this matchup, I feel like we are kind of giving up one of the better edges that we might have to help us in the series. For sure. Brandon, do you agree with that? Well, yeah, I'd say even more strongly, CJ has the edge. If you look at his last two games, the stats don't look very good when he returned from that uh, uh, Poplidius strain, I think is we Pop finally figured out how to pronounce that stupid muscle in your knee. <laughs> um, but he looks good. CJ looks good. He looks smooth. I'm hoping that he looks more or less like his old self during the series. And if so, I'm going to give CJ the edge in that matchup. For sure. Justin? I'm with you guys. Uh, I put the edge on CJ. I think that big question is definitely the knee injury. I think with Ferguson, it's interesting because we've known that his defense is solid, but slowing down CJ is, you know, that's not your typical assignment. Uh, he's one of the better two guards in the league. So Ferg's going to have his work cut out for him. Where it gets interesting for me is down the stretch for the Thunder, Ferguson's offense has kind of been returning. It had been absent for a little bit, uh, but if he can hit three-pointers consistently, that just opens up the floor so much for the Thunder. So while you know he may or may not be able to slow down CJ on the defensive end, if he can take advantage of things on the offensive end and hit some shots, I think it helps OKC's offensive chances quite a bit. Yep. So I'm definitely leaning 
not leaning. I'm going CJ has the, the definite advantage here. Uh, I think Ferguson has done a really good job defending CJ this year, as good as you can. Uh, Ferguson's also 20 years old and has not played in a playoff series yet. So that is a huge factor. Um, so so I, I, I think it's interesting. I also think the Thunder have down the stretch here uh, against Houston the other night um, and other games. Billy Donovan has elected to go with a backcourt of Schroeder Westbrook to close games rather than Westbrook Ferguson. And if that is the case, uh, you would have to assume Schroeder would be on Dame and Russ would be on, on CJ, which again becomes becomes fairly interesting. Uh, Brandon, we'll start with you on the next one. The three spot, Paul George versus... So they're almost interchangeable. Does Al Farouk and Munu technically play the three? Is that Mo Harkless? Uh, it's... it's well, why do I not know this? I'm a Blazers fan. It's more uh, technically Mo Harkless. <laughs> Yeah, it's technically Mo, but like it basically in this matchup, it would be Aminu taking the other team's best wing player. Right. So I don't know how you want to split that. Um, so he would be he'd be on Paul George for all intents and purposes. So wait, do you want to go Aminu or Harkless? I'm sorry. Uh, wh- wh- whichever <laughs> one makes more sense. If, if, if Aminu is going to be guarding PG and vice versa the most way, because I can tell you right now, I think the Thunder are going to have Jeremy Grant guard Mo Harkless. So I think. Uh, on when the Thunder are on defense, PG will be guarding Amina. Do you, do you see it being the same way on the other end of the court? I, I agree with that. So let's go with that. Um, the edge goes to Paul George, and it's not particularly close. I mean, Paul George was an MVP candidate for most of this year until his shoulder slash multiple shoulders. I didn't realize it was plural. Uh, his shoulders got hurt. Um, and all of this stuff felt like, you know, can Westbrook contain himself? Can Damian Lillard handle, handle pressure? Is CJ healthy? Is Paul George healthy? All these bizarre question marks. If Paul George is not healthy, he still has the edge. A 80% Paul George is better than Alfred Camino. And I love Alfred Camino, but that's his facts. Keith, do you see it differently? <laughs> no, I, I don't disagree as far as uh, uh, Alfred versus Paul George as the singular player. I think the interesting thing that you've brought up is the matchup. The idea that Mo Harkless is more of our small forward and uh, Alfred is our, our, our power forward. But defensively, there's no question that uh, Aminu is going to be the one guarding Paul George. So, like you're saying, uh, if if it really does end up that Grant is going to be purely on Harkless, I feel like that could be another one of these keys to the game. Trying, if as far as the Blazers are concerned, trying to get Paul George uh, to expend energy on someone other than Aminu, or otherwise we have to really feed the ball into Aminu just to kind of get him worn out on the other end to try and maybe stop him on offense. Justin, yeah, <laughs> it all it all comes down to health. Uh, if PG, my biggest fear is that we're going to get to Sunday, Sunday morning, and they're going to say PG's out for game one. And then then I'm terrified. Uh, but it, if he can go, I'm so glad that he did sit out the Bucks game because it gets him just a couple days extra rest that he wouldn't have had. And I think that he should be good for game one. Actually, if if I had to say something, I think my bigger fear would probably be game two. Actually, like I bet he'll be good to go Sunday, but if he can turn around for game two and be as close to 100 percent as possible, uh, I think I think he has the potential to have big games as we've seen from him this season. But if he's not healthy, we've seen his shoulders take a really big toll on his shooting numbers. And that was really where his his strength was in the series this year. So that scares me quite a bit. Definitely. The power forward spot, Jeremy Grant versus Mo Harkless. Um, I am leaning Jeremy Grant in this situation. I think uh, Jeremy Grant won't get votes for most improved player, but I think, especially on the Thunder, he is by far, hands down, the most improved player on the team. Uh, He's shooting the ball 38% from the three-point line. Uh, I think he's one of three players that had over 100 threes and 100 blocks this season. Uh, along wow. with Brooke Lopez and Carl Anthony Towns. I think we're the only two other players in the league that have done that this season. Um, I think Jeremy Grant ha- has progressed very, very well. Uh, and so I give him not a not a large edge by any means, but a slight edge uh, in that category. Um, what do you guys think? Yeah, I agree with that. In his last eight games in particular, I mean, he's averaging 17 points and shooting 43% from deep. Uh, so yeah, if it's between him and Harkless, I'm going to give Jeremy Grant the edge there for sure. Uh, I, I'm, you know, I've been a Harkless fan for a long time. I, for a while, I had a uh, a Mo Sharkless av- avatar with a yes. Harkless on there. There's a great white there. That's but, awesome. uh, 
the, the problem which is why thing, I originally didn't want to podcast with Keith. I thought he was a shark. <laughs> Can you blame me? The, the problem is definitely with Mo. It's been his consistency. But lately we've seen a much better player than we've seen through anything before the, the latter half of this season. Uh, headband Harkless has kind of been the, the theme recently. And now he's even gone towards more of that kind of that tie style headband where it's like tied off. In the yeah, back yeah. Of the turtle one. Style. The correct yeah, exactly. that everyone's wearing. And you see him now, like climbing up on the rim and like kicking the ball away for the the blocks, or whatever. Uh, I don't know. I, I think, I think Mo. You know, who knows? Maybe, maybe he could be one of these guys that really kind of uh, jumps off the map. Someone that no really, no one really saw coming. But at this point on paper, yeah, I think he kind of got to lean towards Grant. All right, Justin. I'm aligned. Grant's been so good for the past, probably the since the All Star break. I feel like he's kind of taken a leap for this team, and they've really needed him to because. That's really when the Paul George injury started. And so his three-point shooting has kind of made up for what PG has lacked. And then his growth on the defensive end has been huge. There were so many times last year, even thinking back to going into the Jazz series last year, where you just never knew what you were going to get from Grant. He'd look great from one play, and then the next play he'd get completely lost and give up an open layup. I feel like his consistency is a lot higher. His body control is a lot higher. He's just a, a totally different player than he was last year. Yep, and I think the best thing for Jeremy Grant was Sam Presti was smart enough to immediately get rid of Carmelo to whoever would take him, you know, because yeah. getting rid of <laughs> getting rid of Melo uh, allowed Grant to play 30 minutes at the four. Uh, the five spot, Steven Adams, Ennis Cantor, the Stash Bros, the Bromance. Um, <laughs> I'm interested to see how they're going to uh, the game within the game, the the trash talk, how they're going to go at each other. Um, I've got Adams in this matchup. Obviously, uh, we all wish it would be Adams versus Nurkic, which would be a much more fascinating matchup. Um, but, I mean, Ennis was Adams' backup for years. Uh, I think that that kind of says all that needs to be said on that matchup. Uh, any disagreement there? Not particularly. I mean, I will say again, I, and I know that Tom Haberstow said that momentum going into the playoffs doesn't mean anything, and I get that. But like, since Nurkic went down, and particularly in the last couple of games, uh, Ennis has been averaging like twenty and thirteen on sixty yeah. percent shooting. Which is good. And the whole thing with Cantor is, are you going to get enough out of his rebounding and offense to make up for his defensive deficiencies? And you two know that better than we do. Um, despite that, it's it's Steven Adams has the edge for sure. Yeah, a lot of times, and I'm not just saying this, obviously, because because Cantor is on Portland and the Thunder about to play Portland, but a lot of times, Ennis's stats feel like empty calories. You know, it, 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 it's, it, it felt like that a lot, I think, with OKC. But, you know, there's yep. some matchups where... I mean, I don't think the Thunder beat the San Antonio Spurs and go on to the Western Conference Finals a couple years ago if Adams and Cantor don't play the front court together in the fourth quarters of that Spurs series. So that there's situations where where Ennis is is incredibly valuable, and I think the like you said, the offensive glass is is one of those big spots. But still, I I give the advantage to to Stephen. And that's what it is. It's like Cantor. He's at his best when he's keeping possessions alive for other people to score, right? It's yeah. not when he's putting people in the spin cycle. I mean, that's fun, I guess. But yeah, it's really when he's playing selfless, that's when he's adding the most value. And you're right. Like sometimes it is just sort of like puffy white bread. It's delicious, but it doesn't really <laughs> do anything for you. So yeah. Yep. If, if Portland can, uh, if Portland can manage to like run a lot of it through Canada, the way that we would have through Nurkic, if he had been healthy, I feel like he's got something to offer. He's had a 20 and 10 game, I think in four of his last six and, Plus minus wise, even you know, kind of in the defensive end, he's been positive on plus minus in I think seven of his last ten or eight of his last ten games with us. So it's I could see some possibility there, but no matter how good he plays, it's got to be a team thing because one on one, he's not going to be taking down Stephen Adams. Yeah. All right. Last matchup, uh, just clumping the benches together. You guys probably have a better feel for this than I do. I uh, put for Portland's bench: Curry, Layman, Hood, Turner, Collins. Do you guys foresee anybody besides those guys getting rotation minutes? You know, I know you mentioned Myers Leonard. Um, anybody besides Curry, Layman, Hood, Turner, Collins that might get rotation minutes in the series? I I kind of feel honestly I don't. I could see Myers getting some just situationally if it's really going that way where we need to stretch the floor. But honestly, I would almost think that four of those five are going to get minutes. I don't know if Jake is if Layman's going to be in there or if Curry is going to be quite as uh as getting quite as many minutes as as he will with damon cj healthy oh I yes like he will more focus on them 
I just don't know if they're going to go three guards that way. The, listen, listen, Keith. Curry's got to be in there because he is the pressure release valve for if they're trapping Dame or CJ. I think Curry has to be in there. I think that's like, and I hate doing this. I hate talking about Neil Olshay. Why am I doing it? But when oh Neil Olshay tried to explain away the sweep during the playoffs last year, he's like, oh, yeah, it's because we didn't have enough perimeter shooting, which was like not really true. So I think there's like a, there's like a front office uh, directive to get more shooting out there too, which is really weird to say that like during the playoffs, it really should be Coach Stotts' call. So, Keith, I disagree with you. I think Curry's going to be out there more than more than anyone else. Either way, I, I don't see him getting playing five players off the bench. They're probably doing a nine-man rotation overall. That means four of those bench players. That means uh, Myers is probably out, and Lehman or one of the others is is missing something. Yep. And then the Thunder's bench. Uh, Justin, tell me if you agree with this. I assume the Thunder will play Dennis Schroeder, Raymond Felton, Keith Morris, and Nerlens Noel. Um, obviously, that's going from point guards to basically centers. The Thunder lack really any bench wings with Andre Robertson not being healthy, with Alex Abrinas, um, whatever went on with him with the eventual uh, release. Uh, Abdul Nader will not get rotation minutes in this series. Um, the only other guy that I think maybe could be an emergency, like break glass in case of emergency, would be Deontay Burton, um, f- former two way player that got promoted towards the end of the season. Uh, but I don't see that happening either. I, I just see Schroeder, Felton, Nerlens, and Keefe. Justin, would you agree with that? Totally agree. Uh, you've definitely seen Felton get injected into the line- lineup. We know Trailblazers fans love Raymond Felton. Um, <laughs> oh, I was keep my mouth shut about it. <laughs> uh, what I think will be interesting I call him is... Ray Ray Eat All Day, if that means anything to you. Oh! <laughs> I love it! I'm going to carry that one. I like that one. Um... My biggest question is Noel. Noel's been so good for this team off the bench in in spurts, but with Nurkic being out, my my gut tells me that we're going to see a fair amount of small ball from Portland. And so I feel like that probably hurts Noel's minutes. And like I think you said this earlier Jacob of probably see more Markeith Morris at the backup 5 spot to kind of combat the small ball that I think we'll see from the Trailblazers. So I'm I'm really curious to see how Noel's minutes shake out and if he can maximize them. Definitely. So, real quick, who do you guys give the edge for the bench to, Justin? If you had to choose this one, one team's bench. This one's similar to the the Russ thing. It's which bench shows up for the Thunder. Uh, they've been so bipolar this especially season. Especially Dennis Schroeder. Uh, especially Dennis Schroeder, and he's really kind of the linchpin for this bench. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, lean towards the Trailblazers because I've been hurt too many times. Yeah. <laughs> I, I am also going with the Trailblazers bench over the Thunder's bench, uh, especially for wing depth where, where the Thunder lack. It, it is weird to say uh, since we've had these injuries to our starting lineup and our bench has kind of been depleted to, to fill in the starting lineup, but I do feel like with the performance we've had recently from the Blazers, this is the bench best bench we've had in probably near two decades. So if the Blazers are going to have a chance in this series, I feel like our bench has got to come through. I'm going to give the edge of the bench, but here's the problem. Uh, the bench is not quite as important in the playoffs. Yeah, Starters yep, are going to yep. get more minutes, and that's True. the thing about it, but... Yeah, so take that for what you will. Definitely. That that was kind of my thought with Denver. You know, Denver is such a deep team, and that's like been a big point of emphasis for them. But playoffs come around. I mean, Jokic is playing 40 to 43 minutes a night, you know? So it's like exactly what you said. Bench doesn't mean as much. Um, two more things before we make our predictions and we get out of here. Next, so we gassed each other up at the beginning of this podcast. We said some really nice things. Um, let's throw all that out the window. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's talk some trash. Let's, let's bash one another and see if we can make somebody cry. Uh, my money is just on me. I'll probably cry. Uh, who wants to be the person to throw the first stone? I'm also going to throw us a music bed behind here because I like music beds. Where's Felton? Can, can we make him cry? Can we have him? Be <laughs> oh, there you go. I, you got some trash talk with Felton. Throw it out, bro. Let's go. Oh man, it's just—it's always going to be the trash talk, trash talk for Blazers fans. I feel like Cupcake—he's he, always going to have a special place in our hearts, man. He still—I I swear, every time he touches the ball in this series, he will get booed in Portland every single it's time. Incredible. He the ball. That's hilarious. <laughs> I love uh, the man. And what do you have, Ray Ray Eat All Day? Ray Ray Eat All Day. All right, here's my That's trash talk. 
Um, <laughs> my trash talk is the Portland, either the coaching staff or the front office is scared. They don't want the smoke. That's why they sat everybody Wednesday night. See, oh, I, okay. I said that y'all tried to throw a game to avoid us and you couldn't even get that done. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yes. Oh, All right. I like it. All right. Clap back. Give us something. Uh, I'm not good at trash talk. I, I have the have most laid back, but nice so sound nice. bed for trash it's talk. I should so have nice. some like really aggressive, like Kendrick Lamar beat. And instead I have like this really nice, smooth music going. So makes me want to be like all like agreeable and stuff. Um, <laughs> Russell Westbrook, he's going to try to do too much. He's going to come down the lane, get all pissed off, throw up a, throw up a bunch of really bad shots. He's going to take 35 shots a game. It's going to be awful. How about this? Was so, so that's trash, trash talk, but it's, it hurts more because it's true. Yeah. <laughs> Russ talking the whole time last uh, when he was up here in Portland about how he's uh, been up and up in Dame's ass the whole whole time. He's been taking Dame down the whole time. I feel like he's going to have some fouls coming from behind Dame. Dame's going to get him caught over screens. Uh, we're going to get some nice uh, nice payback on that one. There That's not go. really trash talk either. It's prediction. I'm <laughs> <laughs> um, th- this kind of trash talk. Thunder coach Billy Donovan uh, very clearly on television got caught saying, "Well, can't play Cantor." Uh, yep, yeah. <laughs> Portland's going to realize that pretty damn quick. Can't play Cantor. Justin, you got some more? Uh, <laughs> empty the clip, bro. This is your chance. This hurts, this hurts me to say because I love you, Ennis, uh, but you look like a cross between Mario and a porn star. Ennis Cantor looks like he owns a Persian nightclub. <laughs> 100 percent oh man if, if ever there's a picture of uh ennis in a red hat i feel like that's gonna go viral pretty quick definitely <laughs> Get some sort of graphically like a plumber's pipe behind all right my last piece of trash talk myers leonard looks like he drinks coconut milk and you and puts on a face mask for his pores every night <laughs> oh, and I guess like I could add on to that. I've I've told you guys that you have a lot of pretty players. Al Farouk Aminu might be the ugliest bastard I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> hey, now, hey, did you see Al Farouk smile after his dunk the other night? Man, he looked like a little child. You can't call that ugly. <laughs> He's got the hey, patchiest, like you know, here, his facial hair thing, is so way, patchy. The only way Oklahoma City can get a franchise by stealing it from Seattle. Oh, so, oh, there go. I was waiting for that one. Yeah. I have to say it. Yeah, we're used well, to we that. We saved one. him from the abysmal hellhole that is the Pacific Northwest. So. Oh God, damn! <laughs> I'm kidding. It's beautiful. I love it. My I've never been, but I'm excited to go. Yeah, All right. Anyone else want to say anything mean before uh, before we move on? Uh, hey, well, it's it's been great coming on here, you guys. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you. Awesome. Hey, let's let's run through predictions real fast, and we'll let you guys go. Um, I want to do league-wide stuff real quick. Let's make these really quick. Just tell me which team wins and how many games. Uh, first one: Bucks Pistons. Justin, start us off. Bucks and five. Bucks and five. Bucks and four. Bucks and four. It's gonna be sweet. Sweet. Next one: Raptors versus Magic. Me again? Okay. Sure, go. Raptors in five. <laughs> I'm going Raptors in four. Magic got nothing. Raptors in six. They struggle at home as the favorites. I'm going Raptors in five. Sixers versus the Brooklyn Nets. Philly in six. <laughs> uh, I, I think Sixers take this in seven. I think this goes all the way. I think Nets have a lot more than people are realizing. Brooklyn in seven. Embiid is not right. Oh, wow. Ooh. I'm going Sixers in six as well. Also, I just like the the, the, the Sixers and the six. And I, yeah, <laughs> you get it. Celtics versus the Pacers. I'm going Pacers in seven. Oh, shit. I like oh, it. Oh, my God. I like it. <laughs> That'd be amazing. I'd love to see it. I think Celtics in seven. Celtics in six. Marcus Smart is out, and you know they play better when they're missing people. Yeah, uh, I'm going Celtics in seven as well. Celtics have really underwhelmed this year. Uh, out to the West, we got Warriors versus Clippers. The Warriors wanted them so they could have a shorter flight, those bastards. Um, Justin, Warriors versus Clips. Dubs in four. Uh, just in the interest of the Blazers, uh, postseason series here, I'm going to say Dubs in seven. Let's get them tired. Let's wear them out. What? <laughs> Keith, you need to log Come off. On. Warriors in four. Warriors <laughs> in four. Oh. my hero. I, I just want to apologize to other fans of the NBA for Kevin Durant's bitch actions um, making the league less fun. I'm sorry. Not your problem anymore. We, we, we don't own him anymore. Um, we don't claim him. 
So, yeah. Uh, Nuggets, Spurs, Justin. Nuggets and six. Oh, that's actually the same thing I was thinking. Nuggets and six. I don't trust. The, I'm sorry. No, wait. I said it wrong. Spurs and six. Oh. I, Nuggets, there we go. I thought you were saying Spurs. I thought you were with me. Oh. <laughs> Nuggets and five. I think they're getting unfair rap. Yeah, oh, they are. I'm going Nuggets and six. Um, I don't know. I just... I. Last one, Rockets, Jazz. This one's, I think, a really fun series for a first round. Rockets, Jazz. Justin, what do you got? I've got Rockets in six. I'm going I'm going Jazz. Uh, jazz. I, I don't trust the Rockets. I don't like Harden. He falls apart in the playoffs. Hey, I, I just want to tell you I'm sorry for Harden as well. I know everyone hates the <laughs> flopping and the, the head jerking back and the... Uh, I liked all, him when he was in OKC. Yeah, well, I did too. So did we. And then not so much anymore. <laughs> Uh, Jazz in six. Ooh, yes. I like it. I'm going Rockets in six. And then let's end the podcast. Blazers versus Oklahoma City. We're getting started Sunday, uh, 2.30 our time. That's 12.30 your time, yeah? Correct. Yes. Awesome. Uh, I love, 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 love that they gave us the afternoon game so we can all watch Thrones Sunday night. It's not going to conflict <laughs> until week two. Then it conflicts, and I have a yeah. really hard decision game to make. Up. Game four is going to be an issue. Yeah. <laughs> I don't mind people spoiling a basketball game for me, but if someone spoils Thrones for me, I will not be on the podcast anymore because I will probably be locked up in a penitentiary. <laughs> Justin, coming to you first. What is your prediction for this series? I think, like we talked about, the series is a lot closer than the 4-0 sweep would indicate. I think that the Nurkic injury is obviously a big plus for the Thunder, but on the flip side, PG's questionable health is a big knock and something that makes me very nervous. Uh, I do not think this will be an easy series. I think we'll continue to see lots of close games between these teams. I've got Thunder in six solely because I don't like our chances of a Game 7 in Portland. All right. Ooh. Keith, what are you going with? Uh, I like your touch there about the Game 7. I appreciate that, sir. Uh, you know, it's been interesting trying to read up on like what analysts are saying about this. I saw Bleach Report had it pretty firmly for OKC. I saw Yahoo split it 2-2. Two and two. 538 had it slightly for Blazers. It's going to be a Game 7, I think, one way or the other. And as a Blazer fan, I'm hoping that gives it to us. Very good. Brandon, what do you got? Yeah, it's I have changed my thinking on this a lot lately and, and mostly because of Paul George's health. Um, so as I stand now, I think the Blazers drop one at home. I think they get one on the road. And then I think the home teams went out after that. So I'm going to say Blazers in seven. Oh, all right. I am siding with Justin. I'm going Thunder in six. Um, I think the the Ennis Cantor starting is, is going to be an issue. Um I know we said we'd definitely give the the edge to C.J. McCollum in that shooting guard matchup. Um, I think the X factor for the Thunder is Terrence Ferguson and his ability to not slow down C.J., but at least try to make him less efficient. And I think it's going to be a great series. I'm going Thunder in six. I've got the Blazers winning game two and game five. And if that happens exactly how I said it, I will buy us all lottery tickets. nice awesome well hey dudes thank you so much for coming on we really appreciate your time again if well most thunder fans probably don't follow you so thunder fans who are listening to this go do it let me pull up their twitter ads again or you guys just give us your twitter ads brandon where where can we find you uh you can find us at trailcasters on twitter facebook or instagram you can find me at goldner pdx and you can find keith where keith at Rip City Keith. Uh, yeah, thank you so much, guys. It's been a really good time coming on. Yeah, this no, show. we, we really, really appreciate awesome. you guys. Yeah, thank you. Um, Thunder fans, if, go follow them on Twitter for great perspective throughout this series. Um, it, it, it's awesome to, to follow people that, that aren't Thunder fans to, to get that other side, um, and they can keep your, uh, your anger in check because you can kind of see what the other side's thinking. So it'll be really good. <laughs> uh, dudes, thank you so much again, and best of luck in the series, but not too much luck. <laughs> and uh, and I'm sure we will be chatting uh, via social media throughout this entire thing. So, thank you. Guys. Yeah, we'll thanks, see you in a game seven. Yeah, we'll <laughs> yeah. see you in a game seven. All I right. hope not. <laughs> Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns, legends whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. 
relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.